Chapter 73 Offer I was hoping Danu's gift might help mitigate those problems. It should. Healing the land was within the purview of Danu's domain. Her blessings were geared toward life and renewal. And she was most linked as the mother goddess of the sea. The planet considered by some to have been born of her flesh. The life that grew and proliferated made possible because of the connection with her divinity. But if her blessing did not breathe fresh life and potential into the land I planned on claiming, I would use the territory as a springboard to expand off-planet. That was assuming I managed to gain control of the sea seat on the Intergalactic Council. A seat that was my first order of business once I had established my kingdom. I hoped being able to migrate off-world would solve any expansion problems that depleted and starved land that seemed to exist only in those areas considered neutral. The sea had been relegated to Talum, entirely because of the idiocy between the Seelie and Unseelie and their inability to compromise. They had allowed the spurious argument that the Summerlands had been ceded, and in exchange, we were constrained to Talum. That argument may have worked if I hadn't gained a wider understanding of the multiverse, but I now knew that those pantheons that cried poor, that demanded we remain on Talum because our connection to the Summerlands gave us too much control, was circular logic. They honored our domain of the Summerlands only until they could find a way to steal that dimension from us. The Tuatha de Danan Pantheon was limited to this one multiverse and had to use dreams and shadows to influence any other. Olympus, Asgard, they were profligate, expanding and claiming worlds beyond count in universes beyond count. Each incarnation of their divinity able to share information, goals, and power. I'm not sure who brokered the deal that restrained the Tuatha de Danan, but whoever it was had screwed us. I thought I'd found a loophole. Technically, only the gods were bound to Talum. They could not leave and claim other worlds for their pantheon, but the rules were made long before the sea had grown to full power. We had been gifted with the blood and affinities of our parents, and none of the oaths that bound them were enforceable on their children. Not at least until we had ranked and leveled up high enough to ascend to godhood. I planned to seed this universe with sea when possible, and as each planet was claimed, I would dedicate it to the Tuatha de Danan, allowing their base of power to expand working within the restrictions as the Olympians and as guardians had to steal and conspire to grow. I didn't know if it would work. There might have been something I was missing when competing with trickster gods like Loki and Dolus. It seemed unlikely they hadn't considered this eventuality. I would need to find someone more versed in interstellar law. It appeared as if they had claimed a galactic voting seat the sea, by treaty, would have been allowed to claim worlds that were bereft of intelligent life. The dreaming Tuatha de Danan pantheon had negotiated before they entered sleep, 
and I didn't believe for one moment that they had a reason to ensure C were not bound by planetary restrictions. The fear of Ragnarok had allowed them some bargaining power. The fear, the uncertainty over what would happen in the aftermath of that battle, was like a knife pressed against the throats of the other pantheons. They could press only so far before the sea gods would begin the final battle. The Seelie and Unseelie had squandered their work. Their inability to cooperate, their tireless maneuvering for supremacy, had allowed their enmity to be exploited. I had come to believe these manipulations were beyond the means of either Odin or Athena. The sea had done this to themselves. Factional rivalry so intrinsic to the nature of sea that no cooperation was possible. That didn't mean that there wasn't another party involved, a demon or god from another pantheon that was scheming, perhaps to force Ragnarok, at the least, to foment dissension. War of gods could create a power vacuum that someone who was hoping to fill could take advantage of. You want the entire earth to migrate. I want those looking for a fresh start and a place to live to have that opportunity. Those who yearn for something equitable, or at least fairer than the regime they are living under now. The logistics involved in moving almost 10,000 people would be a nightmare. But that aside, isn't it worth the chance? The logistics aren't that much of a problem. We are Kelpi, well suited for travel. If there is no water for us to swim, there are certain paths for us to run. The problem is asking my herd to put their face in another silly. Blaine held up his hand to foresaw my response. I believe you are different. That the dual heritage of silly and unsilly has tampered your development, so that you can understand better the problems of the lesser fae. But that doesn't resolve the most immediate problems of migrating, with no firm destination or available land waiting. I am not saying no. I am simply stating a hard truth. You cannot expect children to run countless miles only to arrive and find poor soil, stagnant waters, and hostile native life. It will make more sense for you to go. Find the extent of Danu's blessing in the land you will rule. Claim your rank and throne, place your cizern, and free your vassals and Irvin. Once those tasks are completed, Irvin knows what the herd needs to survive. Have him find a suitable environment, one that can be defended so the children are protected. And then the herd will follow and bend the knee to you as king. It would make more sense. Part of the reason my people and I found ourselves in such dire straits is that we set out with no clear destination in mind. No idea where we would wind up or what would be waiting for us. It made it expedient for Hagen and Kel to take advantage. The offer of rich, unclaimed land was a powerful inducement. 
you're right. Until certain conditions are met, I may be offering land and vassalage that is not mine to offer. There are too many unknowns about Danu's gift. And you are just one person. Powerful, yes, but it may become necessary for you to battle or duel. It would be difficult to do so while trying to protect a herd of Kelpie. In fact, if Lord Blaine will agree, I would like to leave a few of my people here temporarily. Too many of my knockers have already fought and died that are not suitable for combat. How many would stay? Of the fifty that have survived, I would leave all but two. I would leave behind most of my fighters to help with their protection and my best tinkerer. He may come in handy, especially when a choice on migration is reached. One point I'd like to clarify. You plan on allowing Unsili to become vassals, claim land and grow Cizern, two dimensional kingdoms and establish themselves as kings and queens. I understood his incredulity, allowing those considered part of the Unsili faction to establish a beachhead for invasion seemed the height of my ignorance. But from my perspective, there wasn't much difference between the two factions. The Sealy had simply gotten an early start propagandizing their faction. They seemed to have profited the most from a better marketing strategy. I'm not sure how they became associated with the light or bright side, but their actions was just as deplorable as the Unsealy. I do. It was only a fortuitous set of circumstances that kept me from being branded Unsealy after my birth. And are the Kelpie any better? Their horse and serpent form have been brandished with ill intent and barely sentient. You are barely considered part of the Sealy faction. Too many Sealy have conflated your actions and woven stories that portray you as monsters that steal children, only to drown them. You are all but declared unclean despoilers of the innocent. Why else would Thom feel secure in attempting to destroy your intellect? To him and many others like him, you and I aren't worthy. You know as well as I that for a large majority of Sealy, anyone not Sealy are other. If they could cast the lot of us out and declare us anathema and unsealy, they would. The unsealy believe they are better than the rest of the sea, too. But at least they don't despise and want to cast out those that are considered other. They welcome everyone. In all their monstrous glory, the night flyers, red caps, goblins, hags, and boggles are accepted, even given voice in court. Some of the most powerful of the sea, creatures that are battle-tested, that strike fear into the hearts of even the most adventurous, sealy, are isolated, even among the unsealy. Creatures so monstrous they must be contained. Even these creatures you will make welcome. I will. Treaties and oaths will be required. The same for them as anyone. I have ridden with the wild hunt. I have met and spoken with Danu, Belaros, and Cryonax. 
They are all equal before the hunt. They are all children of the Tuatha de Danann. I will treat all of Danu's children with integrity and respect, and with caution. My words were met with amazement. I thought because I had made clear my intention to exclude no being. But that wasn't the case. You have met with Danu. You had a conversation with the gods. Why do you think he introduced Espen and Pine as Danu's children? Did you think it boastful? Aspen and Pine didn't mind as the room focused on them. They had no sense of embarrassment. What did they have to be embarrassed over? They were proud of their lineage and honored to have met and spoken to the mother goddess. They were first generation, direct descendants, the children of Danu. And they secure in who they were and what the roles Danu hoped they would play on Talim would be. I knew they would become protectors of the forest on Earth. What that translated to on Talim, I wasn't sure. I thought much the same, but the forests of Talim weren't depleted and destroyed, as those on Earth had been. Here, nature was respected. What that meant, what they would come to protect, was something I would watch. I hoped, where possible, to guide or help them grow into the seeds of change, that Danu had cast free during her brief time when her dream was made manifest.